Well, as I was thinking about and praying about what uh, to share today uh, for Thanksgiving, you know, I, I, I love tradition, but I hate the idea of, oh, Thanksgiving, here will be a typical Thanksgiving sermon, we've heard it all a thousand times before, and so I was just really praying about, God, what, what can we look at today from your word that would, would have a fresh uh, perspective for us? And I uh, found Colossians chapter 2. That's what we're going to spend our time looking at this morning. But then something hit me as I read just these few verses that we're going to look at. And and it was so much bigger than just uh, a Thanksgiving message. Because as I I read uh, these verses and I uh, reread them over and over and over this week and, and prayed about them and I thought maybe this is not just a Thanksgiving message for us. Maybe it's God's message for our church. Maybe it's God's uh, vision for our church. If you had asked me uh, a year ago when we were first starting to meet, uh, you know, what's God's vision? What's going to happen at Fresh Start Church? What's it going to be like a year from now? Uh, No offense, but this isn't it. This isn't at all what I would have pictured. If, if, uh, if you were with us uh, years ago at uh, Sherwood Park Baptist Church and then became New Hope Church, uh, you know what a, a miraculous uh, ride that was. I still run into people around town and they go, those were just such exciting times. And, 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 and it was a, a really miraculous move of God to be able to not just have that kind of numerical growth, but to see people coming to Christ every week and just see so many lives changed. Well, uh, foolish guy that I am, that's what I was expecting because I kind of like, you know, okay, let's do it again. Here's it'll be this, do this, 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 just like this, except I'm a whole lot smarter now. Hopefully things will go better. And when we first started inviting uh, people to come, a year ago, Valerie said, Bruce, if you invite people that used to be at New Hope, aren't there anymore, I wouldn't have invited people that were there, but if you, if you invite people that used to be at New Hope, they're going to expect this to be the same. And it's just not. You can't, you can't start off with the same things that, that you know, we grew to after years and years and years. And, and, and I understood that, but what I didn't think about was it's not going to be the same for me. It's going to be totally different for me. And so over this last year, as God has uh, uh, lovingly, gently stripped any bit of pride that I've had <laughs> away from me, uh, you know, one of my frequent prayers is, God, are we supposed to continue? What's your, what's your plan? You know, there's nothing worse than being at a funeral and nobody admits that the dead guy's dead. You know, you just, you just don't want to be there. Uh, and, and so I thought, God, you know, if, if you want us to continue and never grow, if, but if you want us to continue, I'm here. God, if you want us to close the doors, show us that. I just, I just want whatever God wants. And so these scriptures this week uh, that God placed on my heart may be uh, his vision for our church family. And, and, and I just want, as we look at this, I just want you guys to start praying about this and let's have some uh, dialogue uh, about this in the in the weeks 
to come. I want us to look at uh, Colossians chapter 2. We're going to look at the first seven verses. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, I I want us just to read this uh, out loud up up on the screen. Here we go. I want you to know how much I've agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie all the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm telling you this so that no one will deceive you For though I'm with well-crafted arguments. For though I'm far away from you, my heart is with you, and I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. And now, just as you've accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Now, we're going to talk about the thankfulness part, uh, but before we get there, I, I want us just to look at these few verses in light of our lives, what uh, each of us is going through, where, where we stand um, in life. And I've I just want to share with you some, you know, some possible goals for us as uh, a church family. And you can fill these in at the bottom of your uh, uh, outline there if you'd like. And so let, let's go back through these verses, starting with verse 1. I want you to know, and this is Paul writing, I want you to know how much I've agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea, and for many other believers who have never met me personally. And then what does he say? I want them to be encouraged. I want them to be encouraged. How many of you need encouragement? Like, ongoing? It's not, you know, it's great to be encouraged, but it's easy to lose that, isn't it? It's like I, something could happen yesterday that encouraged me, but it's really easy for me to get discouraged again today. And, and so uh, we need to be encouraged. Uh, what if, as we come together on Sunday mornings, what if, before we even get here, we said, I'm coming today to encourage someone. See, most of us say, I'm kind of, I need something. I need to be encouraged, and that's fine. But what if we came and said, I want to encourage someone today? How could I do that? How could I encourage this person, that person? How could I encourage them? We need to be encouraged. And, and the more difficult things you go through, the more encouragement you need. I mean, Bob's just gone through open heart surgery. Debbie's facing surgery. Uh, Buster, the past years, had all kinds of different skin cancers removed and what was a gallbladder removed. Uh, Roy is out in his car because he walked in here and he's having such shooting pain down his leg that he couldn't even stand to sit here. He's had four surgeries this last year. Barbara's trying to run two 
businesses uh, in a struggling economy. Uh, I've got back problems. You know, the only people that don't have any problems are Brent and Audra. They're just not a problem. They're, they're young, they're good-looking, and they're healthy. I tell you, I, oh, that, oh, that those days would come again. We, <laughs> I had, there was a day I could have done that. I couldn't do that anymore. We need to be encouraged. We're going through struggles. And, and to be honest, if you work for someone, you probably don't get much encouragement at work. If you report to work, it, it's, it's shocking how many people say, you know, my supervisor, my boss, the people I work with, they never encourage me. They never say, hey, it's great to see you. How are you doing? Yeah, you know, all they do is crack the whip. We, we talked to a couple this week that uh, the lady works for a healthcare company, and she said, oh, I get all kinds of evaluations and reviews throughout the year, but the only thing they evaluate and review is anything you've done wrong. They, they, they never say, good job at that. Good, Oh, boy, you're doing great. Thank you for working here. They never say anything positive, anything encouraging, anything to lift us up. Now, her husband, interestingly enough, works for a, a company here in town. It's really kind of fascinating. Uh, a lot of people uh, that I know used to work for uh, True Green, Kimlon Company, and they all hated working there. I mean, it's one of those, you know, giant national franchises that just get the numbers, get the numbers, get the numbers. doesn't matter if you water down the stuff to where it's not really helping anybody. Get the numbers, get the sales, get the sales. And a lot of those same people are now working for Slugabug here. In Melbourne, and the owner of Slugabug is a Christian. And if you ever drive on US 1, North US 1, you'll always notice out on their sign, you know, so-and-so, employee of the month. So-and-so's one-year anniversary here. Great job. And, and, and what they do is every employee, once a month, gets some kind of gift basket. If you like Starbucks, it might have a Starbucks gift card in it or some Starbucks coffee. They know what people like and what their interests are, and every month they give them something to appreciate them. They're always looking for ways to thank and encourage and appreciate their employees. It's amazing to talk to the people that used to work for a place that never thanked you, appreciated you, or encouraged you, and now work for a place where they're constantly feeling appreciated and constantly encouraged and thanked. They hated working at one place, and they love working at this place. Isn't that interesting? But that's rare. But that's what the church should be. The church should be a place where we encourage each other, where I'm glad to see I appreciate you. Thank you so much for what you're doing for God. Thank you so much for, for uh, you know, what, what you do. I really appreciate you. And so our church needs to be a place where we come and we encourage each other. The verse goes on to say, uh, I want them to be encouraged and knit together. I want them to be knit together. Anybody do knitting here? I've never done that. Valerie's never really done that. You know, it, I, I mean, it's very intricate, right? When somebody, you know, somebody starts knitting or crocheting or cross-stitching or any of those things, it's so intricate. There's so much woven together. It'd be very hard to look and say what color thread that was once they're all knit together with dozens of other kinds of threads or what color yarn, if there's all kinds of different colors of yarn 
that have been knitted together. The Bible says that, that God knits us together in our mother's womb. He's intimately involved in putting us together in our mother's womb. And Paul is saying, I, I, I want the Christians to be encouraged and to be knit together. To have an intimate relationship with each other. There's a lot of things that stop that from happening in churches. A lot of people say, I don't, I don't want to be very close to other people at, at church because I've been hurt by that before. I've, I've let down my guard and gotten close to people in the past, and man, they have hurt me, and church people did it worse than anybody. So a lot of people are afraid of that because they've been hurt in the past. Other people are afraid of being knit together with other, other Christians because they say, you know what, you know what happened? If... I really let people get to know me. They're not going to like me. Because if they really get to know me, they're going to get to know a whole bunch of stuff that will shock them. They're going to get to know a whole bunch of stuff that will make them think I'm a terrible person. So I I don't want to get close to people because I'm afraid if they know me, they'll kick me out. If they really know what I've done or what I do or who I am or they know about my past, they're not going to love me anymore. Other people maybe would kind of like to be knit together, but they say, nobody seems to want to be friends with me at church. It's so hard. Visiting churches is one of the most painful experiences, I think, in life. And Valerie and I have noticed over the years, we can visit a church... And if, if it's one of those churches where they say, if you're a visitor, stand up, which I just hate that idea, but stand up so everybody can stare at you. And, and everybody stares at you. And the people sitting next to you who hadn't said a word to you all of a sudden are friendly. And then as soon as that little be friendly time's over, they don't talk to you again. That's terrible. That's, if we do that, that's terrible. We've been to churches where it's everybody greet each other and everybody would walk right past us. We're the visitors. Walk right past us to greet their friends and we'd just be standing there. We visited churches where we were in tremendous pain. Tremendous pain. And really desperately needed somebody to care, to pray for us, just to be nice to us. And everybody around is doing it, but not us. That's hard. That's hard, hard stuff. But the problem is we think, I'd I'd like to be uh, knit together. I'd like to have friends. But nobody seems to reach out to me. You know what my friend Ralph Nygaard, the pastor of First Baptist of O'Galley across the street, years ago, Ralph uh, took me out to lunch, probably the first time that we'd ever gotten together. And he said, yeah, he said, you know, last week I was I was meeting with uh, Kenny Height. Ken uh, is pastor of Discover Life Church that's out on O'Galley Boulevard now. They they met at O'Galley Auditorium, a high school auditorium for years. Then they moved down to the movie theater by Sam for years. And finally they built their building out here. And he said, yeah, Ken and I got together. I'm like, what? Ken's a church of God pastor. Full-blown Pentecostal holiness. You're a Southern Baptist pastor. That's, that's interesting that you'd go have lunch with Ken. I thought, that's awesome. Ralph said, you know what I heard? 
I heard if you want to have a friend, you need to be a friend. I'm like, oh my gosh. Here's Ralph. Big church. Been there for years. Ralph's thinking, I need a friend. If I, I want to have a friend, how do I get a friend? Oh, maybe I don't wait for somebody to come be my friend. Maybe I need to go be friendly to other people. And, and Ralph's been such a blessing to me uh, over the years. And, and so it's it's lots of different reasons why we're afraid of being knit together. E- either because we've been hurt or we're afraid of being knit together because we'll be exposed and people won't like us. Or, or we, we want to be knit together, but we're waiting on somebody to reach out to us. The way it happens... The way we grow closer to each other is for us to say, hey, you want to come over for some coffee? Hey, you want to go out after church and go to McDonald's or go to a park? Or you, Hey, you want to get together? You want to do something? As we begin to initiate things, then it's interesting how everything turns around when we're the ones saying, hey, I'd, you know, I'd love to get to know you better. I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to just hang out after church and get to know you better. So Paul's goals, his hopes for the church was that they would encourage each other, uh, that they'd become knit together. And notice how then. He says knit together by strong ties of love. Knit together by strong ties of love. See, the, the idea is for us to grow in, in, in our love for each other. Uh, we can be knit together. If you're part of any kind of a civic group, if you've ever been a member of the JCs or the Kiwanas or any of those kind of groups, you can be knit together with other people. Maybe you've played on a, on a civic uh, softball team or something. You can be knit together. You can get to know some other people. But in the church, the goal isn't just to know some other people. It's not just to have these social relationships. The idea is for us to love each other, to grow in our love for each other. Last week, when Bob was less than two weeks out of his heart surgery, he comes walking up, and I said, man, I'm glad to see you, but I'm surprised you're here. And you know what Bob said? He said, I wanted to come see how you're doing. Brother, that that just blew my mind. Blew my mind that you said, well, I wanted to come see how you're doing. That's growing in love for each other. That's, that's not just knit together. It's, it's growing in love for each other. That's the goal of the church. That's what the church is supposed to be. We're the body of Christ in love with each other. And we'll talk in a minute about being in love with God. There's lots of different ways of just being knit together but for the church it's all different it's all about love in the church why does that matter i I talked to someone last night a recovering addict and they're in a a narcotics anonymous group and 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 they said you know uh, i've I've been going to this group but i I haven't been going as much as i used to because people have started kind of arguing with each other and people started kind of you know gossiping about each other and complaining about each other and same thing can happen in the church, of course. It's not supposed to. But the idea isn't just that we get together. It's that we grow together. And not just grow together 
as friends, but grow together in love. And the difference is when we grow together in love, what does love do? It covers a multitude of sins. See, you can be friends with people until they do something that upsets you and you're not friends anymore. You can have relationships with coworkers until they do something you don't agree with or they do something wrong and you're not friends anymore. But when we grow together in love, our love covers a multitude of sins. So when we grow together in love, true Christian love, the love of Christ in us being expressed to each other, when that happens, we overlook a whole bunch of stuff. We overlook a whole bunch of mistakes and flaws and we love each other anyway. That's the way family is supposed to be. And the church is family. It's the ultimate family. It's the family of God. Paul goes on to say, I want them to have complete confidence that they'll understand God's mysterious plan. What is that? It's Christ himself. Christ, Jesus Christ is God's mysterious plan. This mysterious plan to save Mankind. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I'm far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you're living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. Paul's talking about knowledge now here. He says, I want you to, I want you to encourage each other. I want you to be knit together. I want you to be knit together with love, strong ties of love. And now he's talking about belief. Now he's talking about faith. He says, I want you to have confidence, confidence in God's plan, confidence in Jesus Christ as Savior. And he says, I want you to not be deceived. I'm telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. See, the idea is he's saying, I want you to grow spiritually. I want you to grow closer together, and I want you to grow spiritually. Because when we grow spiritually, it doesn't matter what false prophet comes along. It doesn't matter what new cult is out. We don't fall for that stuff. It doesn't matter what bad theological book comes out or preacher on TV. It doesn't matter because we're growing in the truth of God. We're understanding God's plan. We're understanding Christ. Who he is. And and we don't get knocked off course when that happens. If you're an expert at something, and everybody here is probably an expert at something in, 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 in all different areas, all different fields. You might not even think of yourself as an expert. But there's some area of life, maybe from a past job, maybe from, you know, something you do at home. Maybe it's a craft. Maybe it's just some, you know, passion or hobby. If you have a lot of expertise in an area. Even if you wouldn't call yourself an expert, you've got a lot of expertise in some area of life. The more expertise you have, the less likely you are to fall for something that's wrong when it comes to that area. Somebody comes along and says, oh, you need to do this. You go, no, I know that's not the way you do that because I know how to do this. I know what I'm doing. Larry's a general contractor. Larry knows how to 
build stuff well. And if somebody comes along and says, oh, you don't need to use those good tools. You don't need to use that, those good materials. You can just do this and this and this. Larry doesn't fall for it. It doesn't draw. He, he's not going to say, oh, okay, I'll go do it that way. Larry's going to go, no, that's not the way you do it. That's not right because he's an expert in those areas. Paul is saying to the church, I want you to be experts. I want you to have expertise. I want you to have knowledge, real knowledge about God. I want you to really understand Jesus Christ. And when you really understand Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what other message comes along, you're not going to fall for it. You're not going to get off track. You're not going to be deceived. Verse 6. And now, just as you've accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. There's so much in those few verses. You've accepted Christ as your Lord. Now continue to follow him. You know, for... for the last hundred years in America, there's been so much emphasis on accepting Christ as your Lord. Well, that's an awesome thing. That's the most important decision any of us can ever make, accepting Christ as our Lord. But unfortunately, there's been so much emphasis on accepting Christ as our Lord, and I've been as guilty of this as anybody, that there's not nearly enough emphasis on then following him. Following him. So people say, oh yes, I'm saved. Oh yes, I walked down an aisle or I raised my hand or I checked off on a card or I prayed a prayer. Yes, I'm saved. And so they would say, I accepted Christ as my Lord. But you look at their life and think, why isn't it any difference? Because they're not following him. They just checked it off and said, yep, I did that. If you've ever been with, uh, we, we used to know a guy who was just the ultimate bean counter. He was a pastor, fortunately. Now he's back in the business world as an accountant because that's where he belongs. He's a bean counter. If you got beans, you want that guy to be counting them. But when it comes to ministry and you'd go sit down with him and he'd literally go through, okay, how is your prayer life? Check, check. How is your time with God? Check, check. How is this? Check, check. Okay. All he wanted to do was check off the boxes so that he could report to his people and say, yep, got all the boxes checked. Well, that might be very valuable in some aspects of business. But that's not what faith is about. It's not saying, I received Jesus, check, now I'll just go back and do whatever I want. Now I'll just, I'll, I'll just believe what I used to believe, and I'll do the things I used to do, and I'll just, no. No, no, no. Paul's saying, now as you've accepted Christ Jesus, you must follow him. You must continue to follow him. That never ends. We accept Christ as our Savior once. We follow him forever. One is, a, is instant. The other is a lifestyle, something we do for the rest of our lives. And verse 7 tells us how we do it. We let our roots grow down into him. We let our lives be built on him. If you've ever tried to pull up a plant, and we've got so many different varieties here in Florida, and we have such bad soil, we have such you know, sandy, sandy, sandy soil, if you've ever tried to pull up an old plant, even if it was a little one, you know that some just pull up whoosh, like that. Others, you pull and you pull and you think, why? It's not a tree. It's not even a big plant. Why in the world is this thing so hard to pull up? It's because of the roots. 
It's because of the roots. We had a palm in front of our house. It was right in front of the window of our, uh, the front window in our dining room. So it's all the light that could come into our house was completely blocked because it was a, a, a palm. It was a triple palm. Big, beautiful. Lots of people love them. We just didn't want it there. It just completely blocked any light coming into our house. And I thought, that might be valuable to somebody, but I'd have to get it out of here. Or they'd have to bring in big equipment, and it's too close to the house to do that. I can't get it out. It's too big to just dig with a shovel. It's, it's, that would be a huge job. How are we going to get rid of that thing? I put it on Craigslist. I had a picture of this big, beautiful palm. And it was probably, if you just went to buy one that size at a nursery, probably cost hundreds and hundreds of dollars. I put on Craigslist, I said, here's this palm, healthy, you see how big it is, good condition, barely used, you know, all the, all the stuff. $60, was it $60? $60, you remove it. I got the best deal of my life. This guy in the landscaping business came to get it, gives me my $60, and he starts digging. And he starts digging. He digs a trench all the way around it. He digs, he digs, he digs, he digs, he digs. He's getting nowhere. He can't begin to even budge this thing. He gets his truck. He gets a winch on the back of his trailer. He hooks a chain to it. He breaks his winch. He breaks the chain. He's leaving skid marks out in the driveway, the street. He tried putting a pallet under his tires of the car to keep it there, and he broke the pallet. I mean, this guy was there all day. He finally went, after maybe four or five hours, went and got somebody else to come help him. They helped him for hours. So it's two guys working all day long. I felt like I should give him his money back and extra by the time he got that tree out of there. It was hard. It was unbelievably hard. I was so thankful I didn't try to do it, and I was so thankful somebody else did it, and I was incredibly thankful we actually got paid to let them do that. But the reason it was so hard, because of the roots. Because of the roots. Nothing could uproot that because it had roots. They'd gone down deeper and spread out wider than you would normally think for a palm tree. That's what this verse is talking about for our faith. Let your spiritual roots, let your faith, Let your belief in Christ grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. It's such a difference between just believing in God versus knowing him. Such a difference in just believing and even even having a superficial knowledge versus having a mature faith where our roots grow down. And so so here's here's the goal. Paul had, and and here's the goal that I have, it's it's that we would grow in our knowledge of God and our relationship with God. And these are totally separate things. But that's what he's talking about here to the the church in Colossians. He's saying, look, I want you guys, I want you guys to have such a deep knowledge of God. And I want you to have such an intimate relationship with him. You're following Christ that that your roots are so deep and so strong. It doesn't matter what circumstances come. It doesn't matter the difficulties of life. It doesn't matter what kind of persecution comes. It doesn't matter what kind of false teaching comes along. You have such a strong, strong faith. You can't get knocked down. You can't get knocked away. You can't get dragged off there's a huge difference and the reason I separated this there's a huge difference in the knowledge of God 
and a relationship with God. There are people that have an incredible knowledge of God. They know a lot about God. They don't know God. They don't know Him. They could quote every verse in the Bible about Him, but I've known people that don't have a relationship with Him. They just have knowledge, head knowledge. That's all it is. Historical knowledge, just like any other topic. They've studied and studied and studied. They've got lots of knowledge of God. But they don't know him. You could, you could study. I, I, I told uh, Brent and Audra recently about, you know, we were talking about reading and the kids reading. And, and I used to read, love to read books, uh, uh, biographies about sports guys, and, and back when I was a kid, probably the little 10-cent books they'd have in school, you, you could get them about current people. They weren't just famous people from the past, and I got to read this little book on Ken Boyer. He was a baseball player, and, and, and so I read the book, and it told me about Ken Boyer. It told me who he was, told me where he was born, told me if he was married, told me you know what led him to playing baseball, told me about his life. But until I was at a spring training game in Vero Beach before there were fences around the field and Ken Boyer played and was walking back to the clubhouse and I got to walk up and say, hi, Mr. Boyer, can I have your autograph? And he said, sure. And he stopped and gave me an autograph and I told him I just read the book about him and he, and he talked to me. Previously, I just knew about him. But that day I got to meet him. I got to meet him in person. I, it's so sad that he, he evidently was forgetful. He lost my number. I never heard from him after that. But, but you know, I got to, I could say, I have met him. If he had said, you're a nice young man. I'd like to come visit you. Could your parents, can I come over for dinner? Can I take you and your family? Can I, I'd like to come see you. I'm here for three months. I'd like to come see you guys every day. If that had happened, then we would have had a relationship. See, I knew about him. Then I got to meet him, but I didn't get to move forward in a relationship. Some people know about God, but they haven't met him. Some people have met him, but they haven't built a relationship. He wants us to know him, to have full knowledge of him, and he wants us to have a personal knowledge of him, and he wants to have an intimate relationship with us. It's so important. Some people have the relationship, but they don't care anything about the knowledge. Okay, I have a relationship. I've accepted Christ. I'm a believer. Trust God. But they don't have any knowledge about him. Others have the knowledge, no relationship. Paul's goal, my desire for each of us, is that we grow in our knowledge of God and we grow in our relationship with God. And then notice the last three words. What happens when all this comes into play? You will overflow with thankfulness. Overflow with thankfulness. So Paul's saying, here's, here's where thankfulness comes. It, it comes from being a body of believers in Jesus Christ. It comes from encouraging each other. It comes from being knit together, loving each other, growing closer to each other, from having this knowledge of God and understanding who Christ is, and from following Him, having an intimate relationship with Him, letting your, your roots grow deep so that you have a strong, mature faith. Then you'll overflow with thankfulness. The thankfulness that He's talking about is only available 
through Jesus Christ. And it's the only kind of thankfulness that's available to us that's permanent. It's permanent. There's such a difference between temporary thankfulness, and those are the kind of things we normally think of. And when we have a chance to share in a few minutes things that we're thankful for, uh, don't be embarrassed that I'm about to say this. Most of us, if it's a time when we're with our family Thursday, everybody will do this. Most of us say, I'm thankful for. I've got a good job. I didn't lose my job. I'm thankful for my health. I've had good health this year. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my kids. I'm thankful for, you know, uh, my home. I'm thankful. We, We usually think of those kind of things. And we should be thankful for all those things. We should. But those things aren't permanent. They can come and they can go. I can say, I'm thankful I've been healthy. Well, then this year I haven't been healthy. There's times when I could say, I'm thankful that God's given us so much finances. Other times I go, well, I don't have any money. What happens to my thankfulness then? See, our thankfulness that's in things or even in people. I was thinking about a good friend of mine, pastor up in Port St. John, and, you know, he had a big church. He loved God. He's such a blessing to so many people. And, and his wife said, I don't love you anymore. And, no, I don't want to go to counseling. And no, I don't want to be married anymore. Well, I guarantee you, my friend, the Thanksgiving prior to that would have said, I'm thankful for my wife. But I guarantee you this Thanksgiving, he's not going to say that. See, those things are temporary thankfulness. But when our thankfulness is Thanking, being thankful for God, being thankful for Christ and what he's done for us and who he is, that's permanent. Nobody can take it away from us. All our circumstances in life can change. We can lose everyone and everything we have and still be thankful if our thankfulness is rooted in God. And we need to be thankful for all the other things. But this is the most important thankfulness we can have. You will over flow with thankfulness when you're part of the family of God, when you love each other, when you encourage each other, when you grow in your knowledge of God, when you grow strong in your faith, when you follow Christ, then you'll overflow with thankfulness. In just a minute, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And really, there's no better expression of thankfulness for us than to, than to take the bread and be thankful for the body of Christ that was broken for us. And to take the cup and be thankful for the blood of Christ that was shed for us. But my hope is that as we leave this place, we'll have, we'll have two thoughts in mind. One is... Is God's plan for Fresh Start Church for us to focus on encouraging each other and growing closer together and growing in our love for each other, growing in our knowledge of God and growing in our faith and maturing in our faith together. And the second thought is true thankfulness. Not Thanksgiving Day, not on Sundays, not 
on days when we have the Lord's Supper, but true thankfulness that we can carry with us every day that can't be taken away, that does not change, is thankfulness for Christ, for who he is, what he's done for us, and who we are in him. If we can carry that with us every day, regardless of if we wake up hurting or not hurting, regardless if we wake up and can pay our bills or can't pay our bills, regardless of if we wake up and the person in bed next to us is nice to us or not nice to us, regardless of any other circumstances in life, if we can remember what Christ has done for us, who he is, what he's done for us, and who we are in him, we can have thankful lives every day for the rest of our lives. Let's pray. Thank you.